Geek Shock. Geek Shock. I'm the bitch you hated. Filthy infatuated. Yeah. I'm the pain you tasted. Felt intoxicated. I'm a fire starter. Twisted fire starter. I don't want to hear your Memphis derision. Yeah. Garbage barbecue. Get Call out, out barbecue. Get Eat your high-class burrito That's there. right. I will. High-class burrito. It's no. so high-class. There's no meat in it. It's just rice and um, Oh, good. Beans. Carb- just carbohydrates. Now, you've been bouncing between Del Taco and Taco Bell. Yes. Okay. You don't, But you always get Mexican. That's right. You, so this is... I'm... 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 I, uh, uh, I'm Discovering what my ancestors, <laughs> your ancestors, <laughs> your Canadian Mexican ancestry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Long ago, before the French came. <laughs> That's right. There was the Mexicans. <laughs> I I can't do Taco Bell anymore. Not you done? I just I, I, the last few times, I was just so disappointed with it. I was just like, nope, I'm done. What do you expect? A high class like Chipotle or something? I don't like... have that problem with Del Taco though. Matt obviously doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. Wait a I just, minute. A I high think... class Chipotle? <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the joke. Chip- Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle is another level. Chipotle. Chipotle. They're, they're so fresh that they have problems killing people. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Take a run for the northern border. Talk about food poisoning in Chipotle. It's, 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 uh, it's, it seems to always be happening there. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful that I haven't got food poisoning from sure. Chipotle. I've only gotten it once. I consider myself lucky. Really? Okay. <laughs> but it hasn't stopped me from going back to Chipotle. Right. So, yeah, I'm a suicidal individual. So you were the first wave of um, um, problems. Nope. I heard that and said, ah, that's not our, our Chipotle. <laughs> that's that uh, Chipotle in uh, Texas or whatever, wherever okay. it was. That's, uh, but yeah, it got me once. One, so, one, so you're one that time. one person that they were talking about on the the Daily Show joke, where like, it's like, it's like, yes, it's like <laughs> Chipotle. It's like everybody. Keep, no, it wasn't Daily Show. It was uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. He's like, <laughs> it's like you keep thinking. Well, it gave everybody else food poisoning, but it's not going to give me food poisoning. And then you get it, and you're like, well, maybe it wasn't that, <laughs> or maybe it was just that one day. Yeah, that's me. Welcome, folks. This is Geek Shock number 398. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. What? I believe Matt. <laughs> <laughs> changes Matt. <laughs> With our special guest, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> I had to, I had to wolf that down and grab my mic real quick. Oh, oh that's what she said. He's like, I got a few minutes to chew and relax and enjoy this food because Andy still has to. Oh fuck, Andy's not here. <laughs> We're talking week and geek. As if you're on the Facebook at all in the Shock Monkeys lair, you already aware that uh, Andy had to get uh, eye surgery. Emergency eye surgery this week. Those are kind of important. They eyes. are. Uh, if you remember last week, he was talking about having vision issues. Uh, yeah, detached retina, turns out. I thought it was your VR fucking him up. It could be. You know, anybody, Stop, you're both right. <laughs> anybody who's under 12 years old should not use a VR, or have the mentality under 12 years old should not use a That's VR. Andy. Or is 12,000 years old. <laughs> 12,000 years old. Ooh, should not use VR. So, so he's recovering. He has to keep his head down, which means no driving, which... Andy driving anyway is kind of a dangerous thought. So he will return when 
he feels better. So in the meantime, Andy, I know you're listening. I hope you're relaxing. Keep your head down. We love you. Yes, we do. <laughs> this week is Comic-Con, or was Comic-Con. Was. So the week that was. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. Of course, I have to ask, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Nothing. Let's get started. Stop it. Yeah. Oh. I right. went and did Kiss Monster Mini Golf last night. The the At this point, can I call it a new location? Yeah. The well, second yeah, it's location. Been there. Yeah, second location. It's been there for... Like almost two years now. Yeah. Uh, so did you did we did original yeah we kiss did mini golf at the at the uh, the pr- the first location here that was town. across from the Hard Rock Hotel. Yeah. Uh, now it's over by the uh, Rio. It's inside the Rio. It's inside okay. the Rio. Uh, oh. So it's uh oh, it's wow. still just as fun. Um, they did some minor reconfigurations on some of the uh, the various holes, but uh, what about I those still have a lot of fun. The, they they got rid of the animatronics, so oh. I don't know what happened to that. Boo! I want Palsy Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still have the video screens. They still play Kiss music, and uh, they'll actually like when the guy goes behind the DJ booth, he'll ask for requests, and it's like, hey, anything you want to hear? Like I as he's that. walking through, you did. I go, yeah, can you play some Rush? He looked at me. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So you don't have any Rush then? I take it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and his look was probably well deserved. <laughs> like you, fuck. The collection was anything you want to hear. Compressed. It's, it's got to be kissed though. Yeah. Right. Anything you want to hear, got to be kissed though. <laughs> but the, the like the uh, collectibles that they had, like the different jackets that maybe the various members of Kiss have worn, some okay. of the paraphernalia and stuff, maybe. was in a slightly smaller area. Uh, like the actual square footage doesn't seem like it's that much smaller, but they just compressed everything over into one corner. So when okay. you go over to the quote unquote museum area, they gave a lot of area to the snacks. Yeah, the the, the snacks that no one bought. Yeah. So and they still do. They okay. actually have like a whole. It says uh, uh, it's like beer and alcohol or whatever, and there's like nobody back there. <laughs> so do they still have the wedding chapel. They do. Um, it's a smaller wedding chapel now. That was a pretty small one before. Yeah. And then uh, I lost by one stroke. Oh, <laughs> story of my but, life. But because I lost by one stroke, they gave me this card that says, admit one free. You need practice. Cute. <laughs> Very so, cute. You suck. Here's a free game on us. <laughs> in fact, I, 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 I lost that because um, on one of the holes, they have this little spinner thing. So you spin it and it you have to... Like that particular hole, you have to play by the rule that the little arrow points to. And when I spun it, it said, "Play your play your strokes, and then your opponent gets your strokes, and you get theirs." So I actually got a hole in one on that hole. Like she got oh. a five, so I ended up getting five on that. So hole. you won, is what you're telling me. So you couldn't. It would have been really <laughs> close. It would have been really close. But I, I won't lie, I fucked up on more than a couple of holes where I was just like, God damn it. Now that was like you, dead on. I play golf a lot. Okay. Um, I don't. Like, like golf, golf? Golf, golf. Okay. I don't. Even mini golf. Okay. Does the Happy Gilmore lines come out? Because you know, when you're, when you're playing, like, here's a free lesson. Right. You know, like, fuck that Bob Barker. You know, all those lines. I actually, you know what? I, I was going to say no, but then I realized, I was like, oh, I got to work on my short game. When I was, when I like, I literally had like it's a all short game. I had like a three foot putt, and I I totally fucked it up. Like it, 
it went and it did the whole curve around the edge of the hole and go out the other side. But uh, no, it was a lot of fun. I wonder with the Kiss Mini Golf and the you, know, you taking requests uh-huh. if they offer if they have solo stuff. I'm not talking those four solo albums that they released, although sure, why not? Right. I, I'm talking about like Gene Simmons in the last ten years, like probably even the last five, released a really horrible cover of Firestarter. Really? Yes. Uh, by uh, oh shoot, what are they called? Uh, that, that British uh, oh uh, tech, tech group that had that had a real strong edge to it. Uh, uh, Prodigy, yes, and he didn't make a lot of changes except make it a little worse. So I, I'm wondering if I could request that horrible, horrible song. I suppose it's possible. <laughs> That'd be fun to do to try it though. Wow, I'm just envisioning like playing that in my head. I've never heard it. But I'm trying to. Oh, it's terrible, and the, the music video that goes with it is worse. Oh, God. so yeah, Gene Simmons' Firestarter is a. Oh hell, that's a thing. Well, wow. uh, the the mini golf place is open till midnight, so that's also cool. Oh wow! Um, I guess a couple other ones in town are open late too, but uh, just I don't know what those hours are. I just know that I was there, and I was like, "Oh, you guys are open till midnight. That's awesome." I don't know much in the way of Vegas mini golf anymore. There, I yeah. know there's that one. I know there's the one at Circus Circus at their uh, at their Circus there's Dome. There's one just down the road here that uh, it's it says it's 3D mini golf and laser tag. And oh, yeah, I've driven like, past it a thousand times. I've never yeah. stopped in. Yep, there's King Putt. That one was yep, pretty good. Yeah, down, He's my favorite down, honky. Down in Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> King Putt. So, you're going to die, clown! <laughs> <laughs> what else did you do, Dylan? I went and saw Dunkirk. Excellent movie. I went to saw Dunkirk. You, done, you done saw Dunkirk? No, what, how, was, how was Dunkirk? I liked it. I appreciated it. You appreciated it. It was well done. This is a weird review. <laughs> this is wow. not. This is not a review that I liked this movie. No, this I, was, I okay. I, I liked appreciated that it wasn't, this movie. It wasn't like jam packed with action like I thought it would be. Are it you saying more, it's, Are you more like saying it's it's difficult to rate because it is a historical drama? I guess. Yeah. Okay. I just find it hilarious. Who was it? USA Today or TMZ or whatever? They were bitching about. There was no strong female leads. <laughs> and, and, and no or, diversity. Yeah, in the and cast. I'm like, well, yeah. this is the British Army where women cannot <laughs> fight. And two, this is not the American Army. There's no there's no guy from Brooklyn or fucking <laughs> I still i you know, it's funny because I read the, the same thing too, and I've been trying to track down the source, so I'm wondering if it's fake news. That, don't, even, they got, don't even say those words on no, this show. You know what? There's, I, I'm willing to wager <laughs> there is some idiot out there who's going to complain about that. Sure. I also Don like Kirk that the fails mo- the Bechtel test. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that it was from the air, the sea, the beach, everything all at once. So okay. you saw the from the view of the planes, then you saw the guys on the beach, then you saw like what happened to the guys that were on lucky enough to get on the destroyer, things like that. It all happened at the same Spoilers. time now. Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> I, I, Torgo's like I don't know. Uh, I, I know and, so uh, little about. Well, um, it was confusing at first, but I kind of figured it out um, right. the second scene in. But Paul, it's like, what's what's going? on? I'm like, it's all the same battles, just from different points of views. That's what the one hour, the one day, the one. Was and all. it's um, it actually. Uh, I forget what they call that. 
It was uh, non-linear. Yeah, I was gonna say that was that was the one review I read. Hmm. It was like, yeah. boy, that uh, that Nolan sure loves to tell non-linear story. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it 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 actually uh, likes non-linear storytelling. Barry Sorry. was it, it got confusing until I figured it out. I didn't yeah. realize it was a Nolan joint. Yeah. Well, I I'd kind of forgotten, but I'm watching this, and then there's this one scene, and I'm like, oh, they oh shit, they mixed up the reels. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is digital. You can't mix it. There's no way you can mix up the reels. What the hell? They mixed up the reels. I, I know. I know the Nolan. part. I know the part he's talking about. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. But apparently, you see them during the day, and then the next scene they're at night, and the guys are in the water. Is that the scene you're talking uh, actually, about? That sounds pretty actually, jarring. B- believe it or not, it, it's all over the place. Because for me, it was the Spitfire scenes. Okay. Spoilers. Really? You're two, of the, two of the three <laughs> get shot down, and then the next scene, two of them are flying. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I know which one you're okay. talking about. Yeah. And, and you're just sort of like, huh? huh? Another funny thing is they, they went for an accurate period look with the actors, and as a result, everybody looks the same. Yeah. So quite often you're sitting there, okay, who who is this? What's going on here? Didn't he die in the last yeah, or, scene? Wait a minute, isn't he supposed to? And then with the nonlinear, you're like, well, is this before he? This isn't even him. I don't, who? Yeah. So when do you get a French accent? Son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah it, you're just like, wow. It got it got a little crazy, but it is pretty good. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Something you recommend in the theater, or something you can wait to comes home? Ah, uh, theater. I, I would say theater because yeah. even though it's not filled with action, it's very, very spectacular in scope, and also. Um, very little, very little CG. Hmm. I mean, they yeah. were using models yeah. or real oh, wow. Spitfires in their aerial stuff, and maybe they did do some CG stuff, but they played it so straight that you you wouldn't have believed they did any. And there's some great shots from the planes that that are look really nice. He, what? <laughs> Mr. Fidgety over here. <laughs> We'll get to the toy in a little bit. <laughs> oh, Is Andy mighty. here? I thought Andy was not here. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, I do recommend it. Uh, it's really funny, too, because there's this strange mystique about Dunkirk being like this defeat. And actually, it was a really tremendous achievement and uh, uh, really something of a victory, you know? I mean, they were defeated in France, but you could say they won at Dunkirk. Hmm. Except for the French. Yeah, they kind of got owned. They kind of uh, lost. There's a scene in the movie where they're trying to get on the English ships, but they're like segregating between English troops and uh, French troops. Like, no, no, these are English ships. You have your own. Get the fuck out of here. Really? <laughs> you have your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. English like, only. Yeah, English only. English and they're only. just trying to get on. I mean, they're getting shot up and yeah. Wow. It's really funny too. They did a little bit of inter-unit segregation because they co- one guy comes up on the beach right at the beginning and he sees the line and he goes at the end of the line and he's standing there and a the guy turns and looks at him and goes, "Grenadiers, mate," <laughs> and the guy's like, "Oh," and he moves to another line. <laughs> wow. What else did you do, guys? We did game night. More Star Wars? Uh no. We played the, what was it, Path? No, it wasn't Pathfinder. It was no. the D&D, like, quick setup, not... Oh, the uh, the D&D, the board games. You know the D&D board game? Like, like Dungeon? 
kind of, sort of. Uh, TSR put out a whole bunch of board games where you basically assemble a dungeon by, tile by tile, round by round. Oh. This you one got was, your character sheet. Is it a randomized tile, or is it something that's yeah, set up by yeah, a no, DM? It's, it's ran- yeah. there, I thought there it wasn't TSR for, anymore. For setting up, I'm sorry, Wizards of the Coast. The, uh, there's something, there's a randomization system, but yeah, you, you, you put X number of tiles, you have certain types of monster cards, encounter cards, and then every round you roll. Everybody plays, there's no dungeon master. So it's like a, a dungeon looting, dungeon delving? Kind of, but there is, there is actually... Um, usually some kind of specific mission. Backstory to it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. We, uh, one, the first one was a basic remind us how the rules went because it had been years, and we just had to go through and kill monsters and hit a certain number. And then there was another, the next version, we, we had to retrieve some guy's stuff. So some we basically had to go through until we found the place where his stuff was and seize it. And it's really, really easy, or we're just used to the Star Wars. Game. We're the Star Wars Imperial so, yeah. Assault. We're, we're just killing yeah. everything. And Imperial Assault is the Star Trek deck builder to Wrath of a Shardalon's DC deck builder. Oh, okay. Yeah. I watched Castlevania on Netflix this week. Ah, I highly recommend is it. Is that a movie or a whole TV it is, season? It is a animated series in anime style. Yes. Produced by Ari Shankar. This is the guy that did uh, the fantastic Punisher Laundry Day, that 10-minute short film you can see on YouTube. And he also did that Dark Power Rangers film. And he he likes Ah. to do those really, those twists on established. Well, he's behind Castlevania. And more importantly, it's written by Warren Ellis. Nice. And it reeks. I mean, you 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 can feel the Ellis in it. Um, the main bad guy of the whole anime, at least this first season. And it's short. It's about five or six episodes, 25 minutes each. So really okay. short. In fact, there might only be four. The bad guy, the Christian church. <laughs> <laughs> it is, that, that is the bad guy. So uh, you're the you're from the point of vampires? Like, or, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's still Castlevania. The Belmont family. I can't remember which one we're following in this one. Uh, but the writing is fun. It, it's gory. It's adult. And it, it caught me from that first episode, and I sat and watched it in one evening, not realizing it was going to be that you know, short. You know what also you can do in one evening? What's that? What's that? Watch Luke Cage. No, that's a long thing. Those are 40-minute episodes. <laughs> God damn it. long, that's a commitment. process. Yeah, and that's 12 of them. This, yeah. this is this is two hours. Hell, I'm still trying two. to dodge spoilers from this Sunday's Game of Thrones because apparently there was a couple of major ones that people oh, really boy. want to spoil for when me. When you see the, I'm <laughs> <laughs> already. It's only been two days, and I'm like, shut up, stop talking about it. So Castlevania, I can't recommend that one enough. It's all. <laughs> I, I can't recommend that one <laughs> enough. I, I do that too all much the time, of a, too I? much of a pause. I do that all, there the, do that all the time. Uh, so that and Glove, you know, Netflix is still hitting them out of the park for me. And, of course, I played a little more with the VR, the, the game that really enraptured me this week. You ready? Pinball Effects 2 VR. <laughs> yeah, he was. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's so much fun. It is so much more accurate than regular pinball, because Pinball Effects is a fantastic video pinball game. It's, you know, available on basically all systems. 
Let me let me take a guess. So you're standing over a virtual machine. Yeah. When you could just go to the pinball. You could. <laughs> you could. You could, but that would require him putting pants on. Okay. Yeah, there's that. Okay. That Which it- is my side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Coming home early from work. <laughs> well, that's your fault for coming home early. Yeah. Walk in the door, and he's got the VR headset on. He's looking straight <laughs> down. I can't see the TV yet, but he's looking straight down. He's got the controller in his hand, and he just keeps looking to the left and the right straight down, and I'm like, I am like, I still can't get used to coming home and seeing you wear that thing. And then I look at the TV and I was like, oh, you're playing pinball. Okay. And yeah, you do. you're looking down to the table and all the ramps and everything, 3D, everything that pops up is 3D. But because of that, it's much more accurate. I'm much better at VR pinball than I am at the regular video pinball. Uh-oh, Dr. Vlarg, the gauntlet has been That's thrown. That's right. And of course, it's VR, so it's fun. It's uh, like the deep sea one. If you look to your right, there's like a shark swimming around the machine and jellyfish around and... So if they play with what's happening around you. Oh, that's pretty neat with the environment. I played way too much of that. I was going to try Resident Evil 7, finally, but I just got wrapped up in pinball tomorrow. I also played, uh, I think, a Square Enix or Ubisoft. Maybe it was Ubisoft. Put out Eagle Flight, where you're flying around uh, Paris that has been reclaimed by nature after man has been gone a couple hundred years. Oh, cool. Huh. And it's basically... PlayStation VR's, hey, you want to fly like a bird game. And it was fun for about an hour, and then it got really boring. So, <laughs> you remember the scene in uh, Superman 64 Nintendo where you're flying through rings, or any other flight game where you're flying through rings? Okay. Yeah. It's that game. Oh, okay. Uh, but in 3D VR, so it, it's fun for a little bit. I recently saw a video posted on uh, Facebook. Uh, a GoPro mounted on an eagle's back, and uh, that's impressive to watch. Holy crap, boy! You watch that and you're like, "Wow, I really do wish I could fly," because that's amazing. That is really amazing. Yeah, that when you're done with that, when you reset it and watch it again, <laughs> that is such a cool video. Do they have any like um, actual flight simulators or jet fighting simulators type thing? There is a elite. So there's a space flight simulator. Uh, that's the only one I'm aware of thus far. And there's, there, most of the games they're pumping out on PS4 VR are not disc games, but downloadable. And that's, I would say, there's probably four downloadable games to every one that you can buy physically. Probably more, actually. Like, I want to. There's three that come out this week and all digital. A realistic one where you're like flying for five hours to get to the mission site. <laughs> and you're watching fuel and talking to your buddies, and then you fight fight for like two minutes. Then you got to fly back. <laughs> That's what. That, that At one point, Paul, Paulette will walk in a room and go, "Are you shitting in a bag?" <laughs> That's how the game. That's how you do it. That's how the game works. <laughs> Rogue Lita, what's your fuel? All right, fifteen liters. Okay, <laughs> kind of like Pendulette's truck driving game. Yes. It's a, yeah. <laughs> Anything else, gentlemen? I saw Game of Thrones this week. Did you? My so did favorite I. part. Any good spoilers? Oh, boy. Oh. We did see last week's, yeah. the first episode that you were commenting on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, right? It's Arya, a good, good Arya start. Stark, motherfucker. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Heads up to what's his name. Uh, okay. Playing Frey. And you know, it's funny because like, I totally knew it was, but it still was making me giddy. I was like, it's Arya. She's going to fucking kill everybody. Yeah. 
And he was he did a great job playing her being him. Yeah. With that. We should, we should still shouldn't say too much. It's really early for right. a lot of people. Everybody's oh, okay. seen it. Come on, the first episode. Yes. There are some people that still haven't seen it from episode one. Well, well you know what? <laughs> oh, golly gee. <laughs> it's a fine point. A fine point. Fine. And in Luke Cage. God damn it, stop it. It's not like it's been out a long time. It's been out a year now, <laughs> hasn't it? What are you going to do when Defenders launches? Uh, just going to watch it? I'm going to cry. No, I'm, I've got to wait. Well, first, I have to see Luke Cage. <laughs> then i got to see Iron Fist. Oh, uh, no, you don't have to. You're Welcome to episode <laughs> 600 of Geek Shock. We're here to talk about Luke Cage and the Defenders. Because <laughs> Torgo finally fucking watched it. <laughs> okay. Here it is. It's San Diego Comic-Con week. Yes. The week where I don't have to search all that much for news because nope. it flies at my face. Like VR. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. VR news. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not, not this day and age. Maybe if oh, it was yeah. naked news, then it'd be fun. Just... Oh, that's me playing VR. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you said that, Jeff. You got that already, apparently. <laughs> From Toronto. Walked right into that one. <laughs> oh, I hope Both not. times. <laughs> so I have 15 pages of news. We're not going to get Aww. through it. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll get through two. <laughs> we can leave out news you don't give a shit about. But we don't have Andy to groan when you do news you don't give a shit about, well, so we might get a, through some more. Somebody can be a surrogate Andy. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> there, I have a bunch of news you don't give a shit about. I have a bunch in Week and Geek. A whole lot. And I have a bunch in Red Light, Green Light. Are we going to do the coin flip thing again? You remember the coin. I do remember the yes. coin. Although we're going to upgrade the coin this round. All right. Uh, okay. Because Andy, bless his heart, and thank you, Andy, if you're listening to this. Yes, we're inaugurating this without you here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Executive decision. What's that? Leave red light, green light until he's back. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Mike going down. Mike is going down. <laughs> Executive decision from the newest member of the group. I have decided. Because what I have here is a Ninja Turtles trouble game that Andy bought at a some. There you go. With it's the pop-o-matic some bubble. Some, bought for like three bucks. And yes, it does have the pop-o-matic bubble in there. The six-sided die in there. So here's what we're gonna do. Because you know, coins two-sided. We need three. So if you pop that bubble mm-hmm. and you get a one or two, you're gonna get news you don't give a shit about. If you get a three or four, we can geek. Five and six was potpourri, but... <laughs> uh, five or six uh, you have is dare, and then you have to do a dare. No, fi- five or six is red light, green light. Yeah, remember oh. the executive decision? Yeah, there it is. So you're going to get a little of everything throughout the rest of the show. Yeehaw! So, gentlemen, so That's when you deep. hear me flipping through a bunch of pages, I'm trying to find the right category. <laughs> so, and, and you know, don't, don't t- take your time with it. Don't... Don't give me empty air to play with. Whoever pops that bubble, get in there and pop that bubble. So, Jeff, you're right next to it. Pop that bubble. Oh, uh, what you got? Two. News you don't give a shit about. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Thank God. you, surrogate Andy. Jesus. Oh, boy. Hold man. on, hold on. It, you know, <laughs> yeah. The thing that made, it. amazes me about that the most is, like, Matt is the one that can't stand it the most when he does the groan, and he does the groan. In Andy's honor. And you do it well. It's very Andy-esque. <laughs> Jeff, mind blown. 
That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Uh, Joss Whedon wasn't able to make it to San Diego Comic-Con. I care. Because he's working on reshoots for Justice League. Oh. Uh, Whedon's uh, reshoots for Zack Snyder's working cut of Justice League are shaping up to cost the studio $25 million. Well above the traditional reshoot budget of 6 to $10 million for a typical blockbuster. And they're also having a good bit of trouble keeping the A-list cast together for the two-plus months of reshoots. Well, yeah. Since, you know, Henry Cavill and Ezra Miller are already booked into other projects. Uh, Whedon is apparently punching up dialogue and adding in more connective tissue, quote-unquote, to link the bigger action set pieces that Snyder had already shot. The, apparently the action was good to go, but the rough cut needed more work to actually tie the action scenes together. Mm. Uh, of course, uh, Justice League opens November 17th. I know another film that has a ha- hard time piecing those action scenes together. It's a little Batman v Superman film. So, mm. with, I, with, with Whedon, I think he'll smooth it out. Yeah. I really do. But, Justice League is just having such hiccups. And it's having the same hiccups that Suicide Squad had. And again, I like Suicide Squad, but it's not a great movie. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Batman v Superman, same thing. Not a great movie, but I enjoyed myself. I want to see the director's cut still of Suicide Squad and see if it's any better. Because I still say that the extended cut of Batman v Superman is way easier to... I mean, it, it has a much better through line, and it doesn't seem to jump all over the place like Batman v Superman, the theatrical version does. I haven't heard any word of them releasing a Suicide Squad. Oh, it's out there. I mean, when I Extended was at cut? yeah, when I was at the uh, at Best Buy, they had it says right on there. It says Suicide Squad and it said Extended Cut. So huh? So I, I don't know. Heard, haven't heard anything. I wonder how much was yeah, put in there. I don't know. I don't know what the extra is because I haven't. Like how, bothered like, to look like it how up. How many but, minutes? Because uh, the difference yeah. of the extended cut is five minutes versus twenty. Right. Because what? How long did they extend it for Batman v Superman? How much longer? It was is a good it? half hour. Yeah, it was long. Yeah, that's that's some strong connective tissue. Yeah. Oh yeah. You like that? I will say this though. One of the funniest articles I read coming out of Comic Con last week regarding uh, Justice League, and it, it was, the headline was just like a, a real uh, facepalm moment because it said it's like. Did the new Justice League trailer just spoil the return of Superman? And I'm like, really? No, I think you did. <laughs> who fucking, who fucking did not know that Superman is coming back for this this Wait film? I mean, what? literally, what? any comic book fan ever, especially Superman fans, are like, duh. <laughs> of course, he's gonna be back for Justice now, League. If Superman came back and went, duh, <laughs> that would be cool. I would accept that. That's like wow. Just looks at the camera. What did you expect? And then he gets <laughs> back to the movie. Yeah, yeah there, there's not enough fourth fourth wall breaking. Just, just Deadpool's not the only he, one. Have to. Yeah, you know, he just looks at he just looks at Bruce and he's like, hey, I'm the goddamn Superman. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because I'm Batman. <laughs> Kirsten, pop that bubble. Trey. Trey, Weekend Geek. Yay. Let me guess, from San Diego Comic-Con? It's going to be. Oh, wow. That's just the, that's the feeling. What a feeling. What about that other Comic-Con? Geeking now. That happened in, like, Little Rock. Sorry? That other Comic-Con that happened in Little Rock. Oh, there was another Comic-Con at the same time? No. What? 
what? See, Matt is not only taking over the groan, he's taking over the jokes that don't work. Uh, okay. Andy's Andy's joke smothering pillow is wow. is alive and well in Matt's hands Careful, right now. Careful, Matt, because before this is over, you're going to start going blind. <laughs> Uh, we learned this weekend that Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel film would be set in the 1990s uh, yeah. and feature the Skrulls as the main villain. Cool. Now it looks like we're going to get a full-fledged intergalactic war against the Skrulls and the Kree. Hmm. Uh, Marvel's Kevin Feige confirmed the plot points to IGN, noting it's a huge piece of the comic canon that's been virtually unexplored in the film universe, so mm. they thought it would be a perfect way to introduce Carol Danvers to the big screen. Marvel said... Captain Marvel set up for uh, 2019 with Brie Larson in the starring role. The Kree Scroll War, the yep. first major crossover mm-hmm. for all of Marvel. It was yeah. the first big one. I don't know much about it. <laughs> I really, really don't. I know what the Scrolls are. The, the shapeshifters look like other people. Right. Right. I know the Kree very well, but I don't know about the war between the two of them right. yeah. very much. And it was. It was a big it was a big crossover. It was a major arc in Avengers. It involved uh, the Captain Marvel dude a lot. Okay. So, 90s. So, they're, they're, they're telling some Marvel Universe backstory. This is cool, yeah. Now, okay, that's a question I have, because I'm not that familiar with the Captain Marvel character in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. But I know that it's, it at least from the pictures I've seen, the same outfit, but you have a male version and a female version. So, can you, like, give me a quick... Reader's Digest condensed version of why that is? No. <laughs> wasn't wasn't All right, pop Marvel that bubble. No, no. All, right. <laughs> All right. Marvel was a Cree. All right, yeah. Uh Marvel was uh, originally the 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 Marvel Comics Captain Marvel was originally uh-huh. Cree. Okay. He went he went quote unquote native. Uh-huh. Uh, this is after the Cree had actually been established in the Fantastic 4. But later on in the 70s Marvel comes along or maybe late 60s. I think it was the late 60s. Yeah. And he is originally a Cree, almost like a scout. He's supposed to check out Earth, prep it for invasion, get the information. He goes native and decides he doesn't want the Cree invading Earth. That's okay. his origin. That's how he becomes a hero on Earth. Okay. He starts out with actually a white and green type costume. They move to the uh, the the blue and the red type. Uh, eventually, Jim Starlin, I believe, gives him the blonde. 70s haircut as opposed to the white hair okay all right ms marvel is a woman who gets exposed uh i don't know the exact story but she gets exposed to something that merges some Cree dna with her uh own genetic with her own genes and mm-hmm. she becomes a hybrid human Cree, and that's where her powers come from she has a lot of powers and abilities like a Cree. So, warrior. Well, so almost like an inhuman then at that point, wouldn't it? Uh, kind of, sort of. The the okay. Kree and the whole inhuman and messing with genes thing is right. Goes way back, yeah. Right. So, um, but hers is like some kind of scientific accident. It's oh, not okay. like it's not like this is stuff that's coming out. There's oh, something that happens I gotcha. to Carol Danvers, who's a colonel, who was a colonel in the Air Force, but now is editor of Ms. Magazine, which is a feminine a feminist magazine. The movie Captain Marvel, I don't think there's a dude Captain Marvel. I think it's straight Carol Danvers. And didn't you didn't we go over something months ago that said she's not going to have a Cree origin? I seem to remember that. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but I seem to remember something like that. So it's actually inter- if if I'm correct in remembering that, it's interesting they're going with the Cree Scroll War 
Because right. if they're going to cover that in the Marvel movies, Captain Marvel, whichever one they're going to choose, is the appropriate one to be in it. Sure. In the comics now, Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers, has taken on the mantle of Captain Marvel. Um, and she's one of the more powerful uh, superheroes in the Marvel Universe. Okay. That's why I said no. Uh-huh. All right, which now begs the question, uh, which people in our current MCU are Skrulls? <sighs> somebody somebody oh, obviously yeah. is a Skrull. Secret invasion. Yeah. Dun dun dun. Right. Well, See, maybe Nick Fury. Well, but uh, we're not going to get the we're not going to get the Captain Marvel movie before uh well, it Infinity doesn't matter. War 1 and 2, doesn't right? Doesn't matter because it takes place in the 90s. Sure. So it predates everything anyway. So that's probably why no one's going to be well, no one now is a Skrull. Okay, because that's already been taken. I care mean, of. I know it's Marvel; they've probably already scripted it ahead. But I was going to sure. say, it, at this point, it would almost feel like they're retconning it. But I, I, I think that this is going to be the Skrull Aurora is going to be an introduction to what Skrulls are. I think that somebody in the current MCU is a Skrull, and that's going to be the fourth Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. I see. That's what I. Although think. it's really funny because really the Skrull, it, that it's also interesting and, that they had the Kree Skrull role because the Skrulls are really. And the Creed, to a lesser extent, are Fantastic Four villains. Right. Especially like the Super Skrull, who has all the powers. Of, well, Fantastic Four. Right. Yeah. Which they actually copped and stole for one of the Fantastic Four movies anyway and whatever. So you, so wait, you're thinking that... That post? Infinity War Part 2, which I forget the actual name of it now, is going to be revealing that one of the MCU characters is a scroll? I think that's very much possible. Okay. I, I think we need to look at whose contracts are coming up to be expired. Well, they are they all are. Chris <laughs> Evans is, uh-huh. is uh, technically more 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 off see who renews. RDJ is is done, but he's still contractually obligated to do these two films and then Chris Chris Evans I believe is also done after these two films, but they want him to come back and do another Captain America movie. Rumor has it that Hemsworth is is done with all the the workouts, the regimen he has yeah. to do for Thor. I imagine so. that's n- no fun. Yeah, light workouts are no fun. Just look at my body. I know. <laughs> oh wait, here's a check oh, wait, wait, for let me millions put... of fucking dollars. Here you go. You want to work out? Sure, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> the first time, sure. But once I have millions of dollars yeah. in the bank, it's like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm good now. Yeah, it's time to time to. Put the pounds back on. Yeah, take, take off the t-shirt. Put work on the VR. out, Matt, and see what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though that it, MC it, Marvel Studios has done a pretty good job of allowing all the the actors to fit into the universe, but still do their other projects. Yeah, and not say, "Oh, hey, we're gonna kind of need you to not do that one to do our thing." They've so. they've been they've been pretty much doing everything right. It's really really smart. Uh, Movie Bob did a thing about Homecoming. Where he uh, he actually talked to he he personally does not feel that Homecoming is a great Spider-Man movie, but then he explains how he doesn't think that's any kind of a derogatory thing, and how it's okay. Yeah, and it, it, it watch it; it's interesting. But he makes an interesting case for it. it's and it's nice to actually have a movie where you know the whole world is in at stake and and all that good stuff. And I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, let's put that bubble to Matt. Oh, or don't give it to Matt. Oh. Six. He took your turn, Matt. It's fine. All right. Six. Six. Oh, goodness sakes. Red light, green light. Fuck that. I'm read popping this. <laughs> what do you have with what? 
What's the matter with you? Well, I'm glad I numbered these because. Yeah, let's not have any he dead air like torque. Let's just uh. get going there. <laughs> David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Ruff, ruff. Okay. Oh. Ah, yes. This? Yes, this. The two writers who created great Game of Thrones for television and have remained its steadfast creative guides still have one year left for the HBO fantasy series. With season seven now underway, though, uh, Benioff and Weiss have begun looking at their future, and it turns out they will be, indeed, sticking with HBO for a new television venture. Benioff and Weiss' next project will be Confederate, an alternative history drama they've been developing for some years. They will serve as both writers and showrunners once again. Here's how the network described the series in a press release on Wednesday. Confederate chronicles the events leading to the Third American Civil War. The series takes place in an alternate timeline where the southern states have successfully succeeded from the Union, giving rise to the nation which slavery remained and remains legal and has evolved into a modern institution. The story follows a broad swath of characters on both sides of the Mason-Dixon demilitarized zone. Freedom fighters, slave hunters, politicians, abolitionists, journalists, and executives of a slave-holding conglomerate and the families of people in their thrall, unquote. Gentlemen, Confederate on HBO, red light, green light. Green light, I enjoy alternate history, like Man in the High Castle, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So green light from me. Turtle Dove, good act. You know. T- turtle, turtle Dove? <laughs> he did, he's the one who did like, uh, I think it was Guns of the South. Or a time oh, yeah, Harry Turtle Dove. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's uh, a writer, that, that's his thing. Alternate oh. history. If anyone knows who it is, yeah. I assumed it would be you. So. I thought you were talking about an actor. I was like, I don't know any actors in oh, Turtle Doves. <laughs> Two turtle doves, three French hens. <laughs> but yeah, and, and a machine that, gun love, in the Southern War. Um, yeah, I love yeah. all that ultimate history. So yeah, I'll green light it. All right. It's HBO. Going to be good. Hopefully. <laughs> wow, this is really electrified. That's a red Jeff. light for Jeff yeah. over there. All right. Mr. Yawns. <laughs> blood sugar going woo we had dinner so uh i don't know well, we're gonna have to stop feeding you then i yes. guess there you go uh red light i don't know just doesn't sound interesting to me oh crap wow i put myself in the position of tiebreaker yeah you did you know yeah, what? i it, was actually waiting to hear you your answer and then and i was like no i yeah, guess i'll just step in and fuck cursing yeah <laughs> i'll put it on his shoulders you know what i'm of mixed feelings because on the one hand I, I like Matt. I do like uh, alternate history a lot. I think it's a fun exercise. Uh, on the other hand, it's just like, what the hell are they going to do? I have no illusions. I don't think there's anything coming out of this that's going to make slavery seem nice or good. Of course not. So I'm not worried about that. Well, I don't know. I guess if they do it, I'm not going to say well. If they do it right. <laughs> There's interesting comments to be made about today's sure. politics and social issues. So I guess I'll say green light. All right. And, of course, these are the producers, writers. You know, they've got one successful show that I'm aware of. Right. I don't know of any well, others. but What's that? Uh, I think it's called Shannara. Sort oh. of Shannara. Oh, like yeah. Thro- Thrones of the Game, I think. Oh, okay. Thrones That's of the, the one. Game. Yeah. All right. So green light by a hair. And a kind of a wishy-washy green light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pop me a pop matic somebody. There it is. Oh. Weekend Geek. Uh, a sad Weekend Geek. 
Uh-oh. Uh, actress Deborah Watling has passed away at the age of 69 after a short battle with lung cancer. The actress was best known to genre fans as Victoria Waterfield, a companion of the second doctor on Doctor Who, Patrick Trotton. Uh, she ran with the Doctor for 40 episodes in 1967 and 1968, though most of those are included amongst the lost episodes, which weren't archived properly after being aired. She later returned to the role of Victoria in 1993 short Doctor Who Dimensions in Time. Her Dr. Troughton had already passed at that time, dying of a pre-existing heart condition at the age of 67 in 1987. That's another one of the the ones that I haven't seen very many of because so, well, they're just not available. Yeah, that's the one. I mean, that, that's we, the dark. We used to, we got a few of, of them when I was a kid on uh, on PBS. Uh, most of the ones we had though were the the Tom Baker ones, but uh, we got uh, you know Third Doctor, Fourth Doctor, Fifth, etc. All of those complete ones, so I got to watch all of those. But yeah, um, first and second, for, uh, first and second Doctor, I didn't get to see very many of. So I was having a hard time, as you were describing, trying to put her uh, to picture her face. So now Netflix no longer has Doctor Who. Is that correct? I believe you're correct. Okay, because there was a time that you could see all the Doctors. Yep. On Netflix. Yeah. yeah, they had a smattering of some for each Doctor. They sure. didn't have the complete series by any means, but. Uh, and now they're on that the British show that I can't remember the British uh, streaming. Service. Oh yeah, the the BBC. Uh, I, for, I I know what you're talking about. But it has I can't remember the name. But it's really sad Trumpets too. And tea, streaming service. Yes, that's I it. Crumpets and T. They keep C and T. Uh, yeah. They keep discovering episodes here and there that's because cool. of the way that they did the distribution back then in the '60s. Because Part of the reason, I, I may have said this on the report, part of the reason many of those are lost is they were recorded live in the studio and BBC's policy back then was not to save everything. It was after it had sat on the shelf for a certain amount of time, they would record over all of these old... Save money um, on tapes. Giant tape. cassettes because they were, were expensive. super expensive back then. The reason they keep finding them is that to send them to other markets... Rather than send the original video, they would. They had a, a device. Um, I forget what it's called now, but basically, it had a old thirty-five millimeter film camera, so that it would play back on video, and the camera would shoot it at I think it was like twenty-five and a half frames a second, which was like the the BBC standard or something back then. So they would send the film reels with the audio accompanying to other markets, like in. South Africa and in Europe, etc. Um, and then into some cases here in the United States. So used to be that they were supposed to return these film reels to the BBC once they had gone through their period of airing. But after a while, BBC stopped just requesting it to come back. So sometimes they find them in a closet somewhere in, a, in an old film st or a television studio. Rather. PBS in the Republic of Congo. Yeah. What's this? Yeah. Oh, no, that, you, you, exactly you joke, it. but that That's has happened. They actually found one in 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 Africa that they they were like, we don't even know what this is. They sent it to BBC archives, and they were like, oh my god, this is one of the lost episodes. Still waiting for London so, after midnight to show up yeah, that way. Really. And uh, there's been a few episodes where they just have the audio and they've created yeah. an animated yeah, version with that audio. Two of them that they've done. And the, the audio for one of them is uh, the Patrick Trotton one called The Power of the Daleks. And it was 
fan recordings. Like people used to record the audio on oh, yes. little portable um, cassette recorders, and they sent them in. And the BBC lovingly took all of these recordings, cleaned them up as best as they could, and then using software merged them to get a really decent quality recording. And then they used that as the sort of framework and then still photos from the set to build a animated version of the I love that series it's 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 fascinating I still have it on the DVR there now did you guys do that did you record like movies or TV shows on audio cassette mm-hmm. I did occasionally yeah, yeah. what what mo- what did you record to to like I did to while I li- listen to stuff while I did chores okay so what did you uh, record, Jeff? Uh, I used to record like comedy shows. I can't. Oh God, why can't I think of the name of this one? It was one with Dana Carvey, like before he was on Saturday Night Live. Oh wow! And it was it was a skit based show. It was very hit or miss. But uh, and then I also did that with Saturday Night Live because I wouldn't ah. I couldn't stay up late. But I had this whole little patchwork thing where I had a little portable electric cassette recorder that i plug into the hole to the wall so i could turn the tv on i could turn the uh like the contrast knob down on the tv where it would literally physically turn the screen off and so if you plug this into this port on this tv it would cut the audio but this this cord ran from that to the cassette recorder so i would oh. just literally record the audio and a Probably a really good copy of. Decent, yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, you still had to fast forward through the commercials, but, uh, you know, which was always fun because you're with an audio, you're, you know, stop, fast forward, stop, play. Nope, that's not it. Stop, fast forward, stop, play. Oh, I missed it. Stop, <laughs> rewind, stop, play. But, uh, and I know. Now, there's a remix right there. 70s, 80s, first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> did you, you guys record it all? I never did, no. Yeah, I did movies. I took my mom's cassette quarter, which back in those days was about half the size of your <laughs> your board there. <clears throat> and uh, I recorded. I went, spent all day at the movie de- theater one day uh, with um, enjoying a Disney summer Wait, film Wait, you, you took it into the movie theater with you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you caused the FBI warning at the start of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, they, they didn't care. They didn't care. Dude, yeah, they, yeah, they didn't care about audio recordings. I showed recordings. up with a bag. Two bags, brown paper ba- shopping bags. One had that recorder and a half gallon of Coke, <laughs> Coca-Cola. And the other had Coke. popcorn that my mom had popped Wow! before I left. They were really lenient back then. Oh, were they ever? Dude, these are brown paper bags, and my mom's popcorn was slathered in butter. <laughs> So you're walking into the movie theater with a brown paper bag that the entire bottom is oil-soaked. You're going to lay it down. They had carpet back then. Yeah, the and they just, yeah. they just let you in. And I just uh, I sat up front, and uh, I recorded. It was uh, part of The Rescuers, and Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Oh, wow. So I actually stumbled across that cassette like 15 years ago and popped it in a player and listened to it briefly. It was That's beautiful. It was very, very strange. Reconnect. Very, yeah, very I, strange. I don't think I got a VCR until like 87 because that was like... I guess I'm a one They started to... Holy shit. Well, man. I mean, we, they were pretty expensive and we couldn't afford them and my dad didn't want to... My dad always had this thing where he always felt like if he bought something that was a little pricey, 
that was when something would go wrong with like the car or something in the house that would cause like and he was not often wrong like literally he would buy something like he would say he's like as soon as i buy something for myself something on the car breaks or that's something goes superstition it was, and it wasn't so much a superstition, I think, as just that's how he personally felt. Like, as soon well, as sure. he does that, he's not wrong half the time. But I don't but think something, you need to buy it, something. It was, it was going to happen. I, I always tell him, like, Dad, it was going to happen anyway, you know. Yeah, exactly. Not like, and, and not like it was going to, but, you know, he always, like, if I hadn't I, bought this, I'd still have the money to fix this. So. Oh, I see. It was more of a risk using that money buyer buy remorse for something, yes. for something that could exactly. go wrong and that i see what you're saying it's like it's like if i could spend a hundred dollars on this vcr which sounds weird now because when the, the last few vcrs are coming out you could got get a really nice one for like 20 bucks or sure. or less but we're also talking a hundred dollars but yeah 87 dollars yeah exactly so eighty seven dollars not 87 yeah dollars I, so, I got you yeah, so like a hundred dollars was a lot for him and it was like this is a hundred dollar VCR. That means you know I could put four tires on the car, or sure, or something goes wrong with the carburetor, and then yeah. you don't have that money. And we just the only reason he got that particular VCR was it was like twenty five percent off, and it was the one that he wanted. And he's like, uh, if I don't buy it now, it's not going to be like this again. And then he kept. It's funny because he kept talking to my mom. He was trying to talk himself out of it, and my mom was like, <laughs> "Just get it, Steve." She's like, "It's like we can afford it right now. We're okay. You know, we have we have food in the freezer. We have you know three working cars out of the four. You know." So, now tell me when when he brought that VCR home. Uh-huh. Was little eighties Jeff excited as you are finding a good parking space now? <laughs> Probably more, because <laughs> that's when I. That was around the time I, I discovered that... Uh, porn? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say porn, but uh, late night Cinemax. Oh, okay, porn. Yeah. You, um, there, was, yeah. there, there was a setting on, on our particular VCR that would turn all of the front lights off, so you wouldn't know it was recording. <laughs> wow. Little I, boy's dream. I figured, I figured it out, so I would program it when my parents weren't around or if they weren't home. <laughs> to record like at the middle of the night, and then before I go to bed, I would flip this switch Cha-ching. because everybody in the house is asleep. So the thing is on; it's recording, but nobody knows because it's there's no lights on. So you had cable. Uh, we had really basic cable, but Cinemax would come in a little fuzzy. Aha. It didn't come in very well during the day, but for some reason at night. It would start to clear up enough that you could record things and see things. So see you, you could now, tell that, that was a boob. I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, with like the fuzziness, like yeah, oh, I think it's a boob. Oh, it's a boob! Yeah, woo! And you'd cheer around the TV. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it was, parents would come in and go, "What do you want?" Oh, that's nothing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's it's a. Bu- Why are you watching snow? <laughs> Everybody, 35, 40, 50 knows that story because we all did it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I would record. Uh, videotapes. There's only two that I remember having, but I had the whole movies, both of these, across like four 30-minute cassette tapes. One was European Vacation. Ah, yes. And the other one was Never Ending Story. And these are the tapes I would listen to when I was mowing the lawn, cleaning the garage, pulling weeds, whatever wow. the, the chores were. But I did it by holding up just a little recorder up to the speaker of the TV. and Right. And switching them out. And I wore the hell out of those cassettes. 
I'm curious, uh, Shock Monkeys, what did you record on audio cassette? And was it a weird way of getting it recorded? I just want to know. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. I'm very curious. Uh, I think we're supposed to pop now, I guess. All right. All right. Dos. News you don't give a shit about. It's 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 really spreading so, even. So it's a news you don't give a two about? I don't give a two about. That's good. Thank you. Oh, wow. here we go. This one. This story. <laughs> I got wow. quite the stink look from, from Kirsten <laughs> <laughs> and Matt at the same time on that one. <laughs> you you shit all over my other Comic-Con jokes. <laughs> no, no, Matt. You, you did that all on your own. Jerry, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Recently, United Airlines... Has been in the Wait. news. <laughs> oh, I know, I know this, I know this story no, I just too. Like that, recently united, like there are a whole bunch of airlines that recently just got united. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that sounded. Like. Recently, sure. comma, United Airlines. Recently, United Airlines, <laughs> <laughs> and it feels so good. <laughs> There's the title for the show. <laughs> has been in the news for their poor customer service. Now United has targeted those coming back from San Diego Comic-Con. On Sunday, July 23rd, a tweeter... <laughs> no uh, bronies, no bronies, can't get on, no bronies. <laughs> oh, no, this is... <laughs> uh, Twitter user Adi Ch- uh, Chapero posted a picture of a sign from United Airlines at San Diego International Airport. The sign read, Comic-Con attendees, please remove all books from checked bags, unquote. United Airlines responded, the restriction on checking comic books applies to all airlines operating out of San Diego this weekend and is set by the TSA. Uh, Twitterer Spool of Lies confirmed with United, who replied, very sorry for the inconvenience. The restriction on checking comic books applies to all airlines operating out of San Diego this weekend and is set by the TSA. While you won't be able to check the books, they are allowed on your carry-on bag or personal item. Unquote. Do you have the other half of that story? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> However, according to the Transportation Security Administration itself, the TSA, this is not true. Uh, the TSA tweets, quote, There are no TSA restrictions on checking comic books or any other types of books, unquote. Ars Technica queried the TSA, who responded via spokesperson Lori Dankers, quote, I don't know how United went ahead and stated a TSA policy incorrectly. I can say that TSA has advised in the past that if people bring several of the same type of item, it can alarm the checked baggage screening, but there's no prohibition on bringing things that are not a security threat. In this case, comic books are not a security threat, and we encourage travelers to bring them if they so choose, unquote. Ars Technica also queried United. Aaron Benson, United spokesperson, said, quote, While TSA is recommending that customers keep their books in their carry-on bags, there are no restrictions on packing them in checked luggage. We misunderstood TSA's instructions and regret any inconvenience this may have caused our customers. I call bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I I did see that blowing up all over uh, Twitter and the Internet um, as that happened. It's like every other passenger that was on another airline were like, they didn't say anything about that to us, and I just checked like, a whole bag full of just comic books. And so apparently it was just United. They were the only airline doing that out of San Diego this weekend. And, and then they were floating something that, you know, books in the Mylar bags create some kind of reflection or whatever. Exactly. 
Lies. <laughs> that's, Vicious lies. That's really weird. You, do you remember, I'm old enough to remember when Southwest Airline was the joke. Yes. Yeah. And 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 now it like it's, yeah when it was like one through forty go and people were making fun ah, of that yeah yeah people killing each other for seats and shit well it's because <laughs> Southwest was a totally different model business model than everybody was using they're like yeah. they'll never survive and it turns out you know thirty years later they're the only airline that has consistently made money over these last few decades yeah. where all these other airlines, even with their major mergers, have continued to lose money and lose their valued business and, and uh, repeat and guests. Very rarely does Southwest show up in a bad light. Yeah. I mean, that Kevin Smith thing? Sure. That, that was Southwest, right? Yeah, that was Southwest. That okay, was so Southwest. there was that. But, I mean, really, it's it usually it either doesn't show up in the news, which can be good, or it's it's positive, and everybody who flies it has nice things to say. It's really funny. I was just, I mean, this is tangential to this story, but it just, it just strikes me how things change over time. Yeah, it yeah. really does. Because it is, I was just watching a, a stand-up special with a, a comedian the other night, and she just kept making nice, she made nice jokes. About South, her her punchline was blankety blank, not Southwest Airline. You know, I mean, even her jokes were talking about how great Southwest was. It's it's just <laughs> yeah. it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, in the nineties, the jokes were all about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I mean, even my less than ideal experience flying Southwest to Orlando and back was nothing that was Southwest's fault. It was just passengers that were on the plane, and you know, the unfortunate. Yeah. You well, know. that's because they let you put pack your comic books. <laughs> no, it's because I had screaming children on both oh, okay. flights. But uh, you You've know, given them your comic books. Well, that yeah. night, unfortunately, it because the flight was so bastard. full, the only seat I could find on the outbound was right next to the restroom, and everybody kept bumping into me, even though I was completely in. He was in the bathroom the at the time. No, no. <laughs> I was in the last row of the People of are the peeing on me. Last row of the me. plane. Fuck them. <laughs> it's an aisle seat. I was completely within the dimensions of my seat so i wasn't lapping over but people just kept slamming into my seat trying to get in and out of the bathroom i don't know what the fuck was going on that flight but especially as i was trying to sleep but again it's the kick me sign that barry put on your probably That would have been awesome. But yeah. Jeff is like, wait a minute. He goes in his bedroom, opens up his closet, pulls out his jacket. God damn it! (laughs) Vlog! Vlog! Ooh, let's pop a button. Tress. Tres, Weekend Geek. Wow, it really... We might as well just round robin this shit. <laughs> Andy, this isn't very random. Good work. Yeah, why did you just think of that? Go one after the other and that... Come on, Torgo. But he wants to have fun with it. Yeah, I want some random. You just, well, here, pass it over to Matt. You jerks, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, figure yeah. out no, how no, this random works. Big shot. Here. You with, you with no, the... No, no, no. For the next one. After the, he finishes reading this story... The Pop-O-Matic with the, <laughs> of Doom with a tail? <laughs> Weekend Geek. Uh, While laying out its film lineup at San Diego Comic-Con, Warner Brothers revealed it is working on Flashpoint. Looking to the comics, Uh, the Flashpoint storyline is a reality-bending arc that finds Barry Allen going back in time and altering the world into a very different place, where factions are at war and many of his friends are either dead or very, very different. 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. One of the major changes is that Bruce Wayne died as a child, and his father, Thomas Wayne, becomes a very different version of Batman. Uh, by making a film based on the Flashpoint storyline, it would also allow Warner Brothers to make a few tweaks to the structure of the DC uh, EU if they so wished. Well, that actually is kind of brilliant because they could do anything they want moving forward. Sure, if they feel they need to pivot in a certain direction, that's their their way of doing it. And Matt likes alternate history. Yes, he loves so. it. It's just kind of silly because they've already done Flashpoint on the TV series. It's like It was like the whole... This hey, the, ram- the ramifications <laughs> of it was this whole season. Well, I mean, but I'm not can, I'm not spoiling anything. Yeah, you can do anything with it. It's a yeah. uh, f- crisis on infinite Earth's button reset. Right. Exactly. So didn't they do a Flashpoint uh, animated movie yeah, as well? Yes. It's very good. good. Very good. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, right does, there. Does that one follow the comic book yes. really well? It follows the comic. I'd say it's probably about 85, 90 percent of the comic, and That's then slight story changes for the animated to make it unique so yeah. so at this point they can do whatever they want with the dceu yeah completely decimate it to their joy and then when they hit flashpoint do whatever they want get any actors that might want to leave this is their opportunity because i know that affleck said he doesn't want to leave but you know he's got to say that right now Aww. even if he does and it also allows now, them though. to leave and come back Take a little time off. A yep. L- little revenge for not using a script. <laughs> <laughs> Popping it? Yeah, pop it, because that's all Do that story is. It. What you got? Oh! Wow! It is really goddamn just going in a circle. It is going to be red light, green light. Green light. All right. Moving yeah. on. Amber light. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, there's so much. Canadian. We're neutral. <laughs> all right. Green light. <laughs> Red light, green light, gentlemen. Matt right. Groening. Green light. <laughs> has announced green light. a new show on Netflix. Red light. The seri- what? <laughs> green light. <laughs> the series is called Disenchantment. It will be set in the crumbling, cring- uh, crumbling kingdom of Dreamland. Shut up. <laughs> it follows the misadventures of the, quote, hard-drinking young Princess Bean, uh, played by Abby Jacobson, and her feisty elf companion, Elfo, played by Nat Faxon, and her personal demon, Lucy, played by Eric Andre. The world will be populated with all sorts of ogres, trolls, imps, sprites, harpies, and humans. Uh, The expanded cast includes some Futurama alumni. Quote, ultimately, disenchantment will be about life and death, love and sex, and how to keep laughing in a world full of suffering and idiots, despite what the elders and the wizards and the other jerks tell you, Groening said. Uh, Disenchantment will premiere in 2018. Netflix has ordered 20 episodes that will be split over two 10-episode seasons. Disenchantment. Gentlemen, red light, green light. Oh, I like it. Already a green light because I actually read that uh, yesterday because it was uh, Maurice LaMarche was able to finally talk about it. I love graining stuff, and I love the voice cast that they have and the fact that they're bringing back all those wonderful voice actors from uh, Futurama. So, yeah, I'm totally on board for this one. And I remember they did that Futurama movie where they go to the fantasy world, I think, through an RPG that they yeah. enter in or something. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a video game okay. that uh, and I, remember I think Bender was playing, so they had to jack into Bender ah. to, to save him from it or something like that. And I remember, I don't remember much of it, but I remember enjoying it. Yeah, So no, they were fun. 
So I've how many fantasy comedy animated shows have there been? Can you not think very of many? Adventure Time. Adventure Time. Yeah. I guess Dungeons make, and Dragons. Yeah. But it but, wasn't but a the, comedy. But both of these items are comedy. aimed toward kids, and this, you know, right? This, you know, granting it's stuff, kids can adults. enjoy it, but adults enjoy yeah. it more. So, There's, isn't there that new one on Adult Swim where it, I forget the commercial, but he's like, he's like turning around and shit, and his hair is flipping. He's got like a gauntlet or something. Oh, I don't know. Infinity gauntlet. There is some kind of <laughs> no. There, no. there is some kind of gauntlet thing. I, I, I don't. God know. damn it! It's yeah, gonna I don't know the now. specifics, but. I'm going to let but that it's a, bother it's a you. Comedy. Because we're going to pop something. Jeff, give it a pop. Jeff's cherry? What? Yeah, pop Jeff's cherry. Six. Oh, oh, red light, green light. Jeff being a There we go. Class. Making it interesting. I just went away from that page because I really wasn't expecting that to happen. <laughs> you know what? We're going to do these in a set. What? A big, long set of red light, green light because there was an announcement from Universal uh, Cable Productions and they're really doubling down. On their genre programming, cable. Yes, they own a few. Cha- they own Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, oh, oh. So. USA. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, I totally. I found it. I found it. I found it. Stop everything. Oh, Apollo the, the, Gauntlets. Sorry. Yeah. Apollo Gauntlets. Apollo Gauntlet. That's yes. the Adult Swim show. Yes, and yep. it's a comedy uh, fantasy. Yep. Apollo okay, that's appreciated. Okay, there we go. Got it. Yeah. So we're going to go through Fuck the yeah. entire Universal Cable production slate on this red light. Holy Greenlight, crap! Which I think is at least five shows. Good lord, so, man. Now, of course, some of these aren't going to be extended synopses, so you know how that goes sometimes. Uh, but uh, to show what UCP has been doing so far, they're the ones that are behind the uh, uh, contract with John Carpenter Productions to do Tales from Halloween and that uh, Simon Green show. So... Already, they've got that going for them. So here it is. Universal Cable Productions, who just unveiled their annual development slate. Quote, we are passionate about genre at UCP. And as our latest development slate shows, we continue to work with some of the industry's most vibrant and imaginative talent to bring fans genre fare they can get behind, said Chief Content Officer at Universal Cable Entertainment, President of UCP, Jeff Wachtel, in a press release. Quote, What began with Battlestar Galactica has grown into a mainstay for UCP as the genre itself has exploded into mainstream. Uh, Judging from the sound of UCP's intriguing development projects, that trend should continue, unquote. So, red light, green light, gentlemen, we'll start with the first one. And that is sci-fi's adaptation of Maggie Stivator best-selling young adult fantasy book series The Raven's Cycle which quote tells the story of a 17-year-old blue sergeant that's uh, in capital letters so I'm guessing that's a name name okay uh, who becomes involved with a group of four privileged private school boys on a quest to find a source of mythical and mysterious power hidden deep in rural Virginia unquote uh, Steve Vader will executive produce along with Michael London who's a producer for The Magicians. Hardwick, I didn't get the first name, who's uh, directing the plot. Uh, Andrew Miller, who's part of the show Secret Circle, is writing and show running. So, Raven Cycle. Blue Sergeant, Privileged Schoolboys, source of mythical, <laughs> mythical, mysterious power within rural Virginia. Eh, red light. Mm. Doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. 
Is it the privileged schoolboys? <laughs> no, just doesn't. I'm just not on board for it. Just doesn't do anything for me. All right. Yawn. I like fantasy stuff, but this isn't really grabbing me. Okay. I'm not a big young adult fan anyway. Mm. I can get behind that. So what's your red light? It? Red light. Jeff. Yeah. I mean, you UCP puts out some really good stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm not. Like I'm like with Kirsten. The I'm not a young young adult fan, so uh, red light from me too. Okay. Then up next, from Universal Cable Productions, we've got an adaptation of Kurt Vonnegut's Sirens of Titan. From Dan Harmon, that's uh, the guy behind Rick and Morty, right? and writer-producer Evan Katz, who is part of 24. The story, quote, follows Malachi Constant, the richest man in the 22nd century America. He possesses extraordinary luck, which he attributes to divine favor, and is used to build upon his father's fortune. He becomes the center point of a journey that takes him from Earth to Mars in preparation for an interplanetary war, to Mercury with another Martian survivor of that war, back to Earth to be pilloried as a sign of man's displeasure with his arrogance. And finally to Titan, where he again meets the man ostensibly responsible for the turn of events that have befallen him. Again, Kurt Vonnegut book, Dan Harmon, and that's a really confusing description. I was going to say, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the hell you just described, but Vonnegut, <laughs> Harmon, yeah, yeah, green light. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking, too, green light on sci-fi just the pedigree. Sci-fi, green light. <laughs> yeah. So, more sci-fi, <laughs> didn't go ahead. understand the damn thing it was, nope. but damn it, there's good names behind that's it. That's right. Well, how do you think those pitch I, I, meetings go? I was like, going to uh, say, I think we just did, this is the closest we've been to real. Uh, <laughs> I, I can only imagine the pitch meeting is like the guy's on his phone, and he's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not really paying any attention to anything. And he goes, oh, yeah, Kurt Vonnegut? Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, oh, Dan Harmon? Yeah, okay, yeah. Good good job. Uh, red, green light. <laughs> Where do I sign? Right yeah. yeah. All right. be, we'll, we'll call you. <laughs> How much money? Perfect. All right. Next is Hugh Howey's post-apocalyptic series, Sand. Executive produced by the author himself, along with series writer Gary Witta, the writer behind Rogue One. And Mark, and Mark Forrester, the director of World War Z, who will also direct the pilot. Sand is shaping up to be an action drama. Quote, Set in a world ravaged by ecological devastation, savage winds, and shifting dunes, at its center is a family who makes their way in this world as sand divers, the elite few who can travel deep beneath the desert floor to retrieve mysterious and valuable relics lost to the dust. Adrift in the wake of their father's disappearance years ago, they rely on skill and each other to endure this ruthless environment where otherwise good people lie, sabotage, and kill in order to survive, unquote. So, Freeman, getting the spice. All right, green light. <laughs> wow. I, I, did, I didn't get qu- that quite, <laughs> wow. a, quite that kind of a take on it. But uh, it does sound intriguing, you know, diving the sand to get, you know, lost items. Uh, yeah, green light. Why and, not? And I know it's a bestseller on Amazon. It's, uh, that, is it? That that author is kind of the stars of Amazon eBooks. Okay. Oh, wow. He also did the Wool series as well. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. I'm Red intrigued. light. Red light. Why, why is that? <laughs> it really... 
That's it's because he's Commander K. It's because <laughs> we agreed Fucking on something. So like, <laughs> doesn't really. So he'll be me. fine if I red light this. He has other projects. Red light. <laughs> he'll he'll survive without me. I think. Well, it kind of sounds to me like it has a bit of an archaeological vibe to it, just from way the way you described it. And I love. I like that sand diving idea. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. And I mean, hell, I watch archaeology programs on like Science Channel all the time. I don't know. It sounded kind of neat. So I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. Sure. And that's why uh, Kirsten's red lighting it. Yeah. It's because it's something I like. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't make my decisions till I hear what Jeff's got to say. This next one, I'm especially interested in your opinion, Kirsten. Oh, so it's oh, red light man. from Jeff. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to spite him now. <laughs> well, you might not agree with it. I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, right, Universal I'm Cable a... Productions has optioned Roger Zelanzi's Hugo Award-winning sci-fi novel, Lord of Light. Oh, fuck. Produced by Gail Ann Hurd. I had not heard this. Producer of Terminator and Aliens. Heard. And Ashley Miller, uh, producer of X-Men, who will, or I guess writer of X-Men, who will write the series. The premise... After humans have moved to a new planet, technological disparities allow a privileged few to assume the names and likenesses of deities and rule over the common people. Tired of the system, a former god wages war against an unjust regime, unquote. Uh, Gail Ann Hurd. That's, yeah. that's pretty good right there. I've been trying to get the book club to read Lord of Light. It's one of the finest science fiction novels of the 60s. And uh, you gave me that as a gift. I still yeah. Know. He uh, Zelazny, I think he drew upon. Uh, I think it's the Rig Veda, um, Hindu uh, hero cycle, and basically the now one of the interesting things about this is progressives are really big on cultural appropriation, and so Zelazny totally took Hinduism. The, the deities, the elite privileged few, are named themselves after uh, Hindu deities. And the revolutionary who fights against them, you know, well, how do you rebel against Hinduism? Buddhism. And so the revolutionary resuscitates Buddhism to, to begin the movement to fight against them. And it's really an amazing, it's really an amazing novel. It's 60s. There are a few things about it that, that to modern sensibility is sort of like, really, dude? But overall, it's it's a magnificent book. And um, So here's the question. Do you think it could translate to a TV show? I would actually rather see it as a TV show than uh, a movie. Um, I would hope it's a closed TV show. You know, it's, it's a Marvel... You know, the Netflix got an arc to it as an open-ended show that... uh, uh, So you mean like a sci-fi channel limited series? Exactly. Because I know they do those over the summer, and they are nice because they're just one encapsulated story, and then it's done. And it does. It has a great beginning. It has a great run-through, beginning, end, and it ends. And the ending is incredibly well done. It's one of the more affecting indies to, to books that you can read and over i just yeah i hadn't heard about this at all this is pretty cool this may be very cool i found about this last week while we were at memphis eating oh and i'm like i'm gonna i i gotta save this for the show i can't let them know right now even though i want to tell them it's not gonna happen (laughs) yeah no i'm impressed that secret's held so the question is i guess that's a green light for kirsten yes 
I don't know enough about the material, but the production staff uh, has a great history so far. Um, and it sounds kind of intriguing just based on what Kirsten has said about it. So um, if they can capture some of that, definitely a green light for me. Matt? Uh, I have no. I, I don't know enough about it either, so no reason to red light it, so green light it. All right. So. Green light on the tails. Mm. And the last one. Welcome to Hitchcock. Okay. Written by Evans uh, Spilio, Spiliotopoulos. We'll go with that. Uh, I guess he's writer of, of Beauty and the Beast. And in partnership with the legendary director's estate, that's uh, Alfred Hitchcock, will contemporize some of Hitchcock's tales with a modern-day take and a high-profile talent in front and behind the camera. So a new Alfred Hitchcock Presents okay, modernized. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, so like the TV series versus like the movies. Right. Uh, I, like I can that. get behind that, yeah. I like that. Green light. Yeah, sure. Same. Because right. I still love going back and watching some of those Alfred Hitchcock presents. But yeah, they're super dated now. And I think the core of the stories could translate well to modern times. I, I just like anthology concepts. So yeah, do it. Nice. So overall, the uh, Universal Cable Productions, I think, came out of the clear with more greens than reds. Right. So, so yeah, Pop-O-Matic. Poppity-poppity-poppity-poo. Uh. Three Weekend Geek. Three. <laughs> that is the bane of your existence, God, isn't it, Kirsten? just irritating the shit out of me. <laughs> There's this little box that came with the Pop-O-Matic bu- bubble that has the pegs for the actual game and has a little piece of tape on it. And I was fidgeting with it earlier and it was oh, driving God. Kirsten crazy. <laughs> but now every time he picks it up, it's almost like universal karma. It's like dragging around itself around with the board every time he moves they are it. physically <laughs> separated by a couple feet and somehow it's going to connect again before this goddamn pack cast is over the mission control center that nasa used for the apollo program the u.s mission to send americans to the moon and back is in disrepair and nasa's former flight director gene krantz is saving it with a kickstarter According to the Kickstarter page, the National Historic Landmark needs $5 million. However, quote, the Webster, cha- the Webster challenge to restore historic mission control is asking for $500,000. Here's why. Unlimited visitor access to the Apollo Mission Control Center at NASA Johnson Space Center in Houston and declining budgets have taken a toll on this much revered site. The results is that the condition of the historic mission control has deteriorated to a point that the National Park Service listed it as threatened in 2015. Uh, this restoration isn't just to repair damage. The site was reconfigured and upgraded in the late 70s when it served as a hub for the space shuttle program. The money raised now will restore the consoles to the condition they were during the Apollo 15 operations in 1971. The town of Webster, Texas, the bedroom community of many NASA employees, promises to nat- match donations. Uh, Kickstarter, kick, <laughs> Kickstarter perks include mission control patches designed by Michael Akuda. I was just going to say, yeah, I know all about that. That's really cool. And a punched-out model of Apollo 11 command module. So if you're interested in throwing in, the Kickstarter runs until August 18. And I think when I looked at it today, they were up to 250000 The amazing thing about this is... 
the control center, which everybody sees like in the movies and and all the uh, archival clips of you know the space missions, is just one piece of what they're trying to do with the restoration. Um, so you have the actual mission control room, or mission. I think it's called the mission operations center. So that's the the rows of the computers with the the old CRT monitors that everybody goes, oh yeah, mission control. And then they're also trying to restore what they call the Bat Cave, which was the video center that had special equipment that they would project the various stages of the current mission that was being tracked on those big screens that you see in a lot of that archival footage. So you had like the television feed, you had the, you know, you know, the tracking feed of where it was over, you know, the US is like when they're doing splashdown and stuff. And the third room I'm totally blanking out on right now, but these were all pieces of mission control that when they turned the whole thing into a historic landmark and allowed visitors to go through, it was only the mission operations center you were going through. So their goal is to restore all of this and then have the tours through there with people that were there during Apollo and nice. you know, show them how important all of these different areas were to, you know, making sure that these missions went off without a hitch. Nice. So it's it's really fascinating. And I did see Mike Okuda's patch design and it's as with all of his art designs, just amazing. August eighteenth. Yeah, definitely donate. I plan to. All right, gentlemen, hit me a popo pop. Popomatic of Doom. Oh, is it me again? It's somebody. Five. Five. Ah, red light, green lights. I'm curious as to what you think about this next one, guys. Hmm. The studio behind MTV's Teen Wolf and Scream has just nabbed the rights to bring Amy Plum's upcoming young adult novel, Dreamfall, to TV. Uh, Digga Studios has optioned the... <laughs> I can feel the ire coming off K without even looking at him. Well, has optioned the bestseller author's upcoming book. It will be published uh, with a se- sequel titled Never Wake, slated for 2018, for a television series adaptation. Here is the official book description. A Nightmare on M Street meets Inception. On M Street? M Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. Yeah, it's, it's New York. A Nightmare on Elm Street meets Inception in this gripping psychological thriller from international best-selling author Amy Plum. Seven teenagers who suffer from de- uh, debilitating insomnia agree to take part in an experimental new procedure to cure it because they think it can't get any worse. But they couldn't be more wrong. When the lab equipment malfunctions, the patients are plunged into a terrifying dream world where the worst nightmares have come to life and they have no memory of how they got there. Hunted by monsters from their darkest imaginations and tormented by secrets they'd rather keep buried, these seven strangers will be forced to band together to face their biggest fears. And if they can't find a way to defeat their dreams, they will never wake up. You're all going to die, bitch. (laughs) That was good. That was pretty good. Red light, green light. This is like for the Dream Warriors. <laughs> Don't for dream dream no more. Uh, red light. Red yeah. light. No, you don't no, just... no, not anything about that sounds intriguing to me. I've right. already seen it all in the 80s. So, red light. I mean, though. it could be just because it's that whole young adult. I, I guarantee you it's going to appeal to the teenage subset. 
if you will. I don't know. The, the young adults, De- if they were? Demographic, demographic is actually the word I was looking for. I don't know why it said subset. Uh, but it'll definitely appeal to the teenage demographic, but not to us. So, you know, more power to them if that's what they like and they want to watch it. Because it's going to get made regardless of what we say here. But yes, f- for me, it's a red light. So a red light from Matt, from Jeff. Kirsten? I don't know. Suffering teenagers is kind of appealing. <laughs> Yeah, red light. <laughs> Not appealing enough. Yeah. Is, is, is you afraid there's going to be too much romance? Is that the, the YA fear? No. Because YA isn't afraid of killing people. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's not that. I just... I don't know. I was a kid once, and, you know, I don't need to read stories about kids. Fair enough. Red light I, across I, I the yeah, board. Just, yeah. yeah, it's not the romance thing. That doesn't bother me at all, so... We got time for one or two more pops. Let's pop it to pop, pop, pop. Uh. Foe. Foe? Well, that's Greek and Geek. Stephen King's Dark Tower makes its screen debut very soon. What? Next week, I think? Next Friday is when it comes out. Better start reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, the long gestating plans are already underway to expand the franchise to television. If that actually happens, it'll focus on Idris Elba's gunslinger. Uh, Producer Akiva Goldsman told Deadline the plot of the TV series has already been written, and the project is being designed to work as a prequel series telling the story of the gunslinger, complete with Idris Elba back in the role of Roland Deschain, telling stories more familiar to the book fans, particularly Wizard and Glass. Uh, Though Stephen King's Dark Tower saga spans eight books, the film itself is actually set after the story in the books, the film's runtime is also a mere 95 minutes, hmm. which is surprisingly brisk for something based on such a massive and dense saga. Yeah. Uh, the odds of the television series will almost certainly depend on the success of the film when it opens August 18th. So it's got a few weeks away. Uh, now, sadly, for fans, the film isn't trending all that well. Uh, hopefully, it finds an audience. A lot, not a lot of excitement behind this film right now. Hmm. I'm sad, too. I love Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. I, I I would want this movie to succeed just, just on his account. Sure. And I want it to succeed just because I want to see more of that realized. Yeah. Um, it's a good time to bring up where I'm at in it. I finished Wolves of the Kala this last week. Oh, okay. Wolves of the Kala took me a month to read, and that's because I had to read three novels in the middle of reading <laughs> Wolves of the Kala. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh... So what? I had to stop and read Salem's Lot. Insomnia, The Regulators, which turned out I really didn't need to read it for it, but I could see why that was included, and half of Hearts of Atlantis. Those books I read while reading Wolves of the Kala. I will say Wolves of the Kala has an amazing ending. That book, at the end of it, remember when I said that Salem's Lot is important to the Dark Tower now? Yes. By the end of Wolves of the Kala, that book is super important. They might as well call that... Dark Tower point five, yeah. If you haven't read Salem's Lot and you want to attempt the tower, you better get in there first. I would say set that up not only for Father Callahan but something even grander than that. But Wolves of the Collet, like I said, it ended fantastic. There are parts where it felt like it was slow to me, but I don't know how much of that is having to start and stop at many varying points and making it feel like it was longer than it actually was. I'm 60% through the next book, Song of Susanna, and that's been pretty darn good so far. Now things in the Dark Tower, all of the uh, 
exposition is starting to come together. Uh, the, there's still a lot of mystery, but that mystery is starting to fade away and get more and more interesting the more I learn about it. I still would like to and very much could finish this series by the time that movie comes out. I have till August 18th. How many oh, this, sick days this, you got? This is you. <laughs> so August 18th is the premiere date, right? Yes. So basically, <laughs> I just September, have September, <laughs> September something. Yeah. No, well, I was gonna say August 25th then for you. Yeah. Because it'll be at least a week before you see it, maybe two. Well, <laughs> here's the thing, especially since it's you got time. <laughs> not that I don't. It's the not the time aspect I'm concerned about. I'm expect the the fact that it's trending so low. Okay. So I would like to see it in its first week, if nothing else, to support those first week numbers. Okay. Yeah. Really. So, so there is that, but I definitely don't want to see it until I finish the series, especially knowing that it takes place after it, even though they insist that it is not necessary to read The Dark Tower to enjoy the movie. So I, but I really want to know how that connects. Do it, do it. Give it a pop. Give us a pop, pop, pop. Weekend Geek. Michelle Pfeiffer joins the cast of Ant-Man and the Wasp. I heard about that. As the long-lost Wasp Wife to Michael Douglas's Hank Pym. Also, Hannah uh, John Kamen, star of Sci-Fi's Killjoys, and who has roles in Tomb Raider and Ready Player One, will play the Ghost in the film. In Marvel Comics, Ghost is a supervillain with a battle suit that can go invisible or intangible. One of my favorite actors in uh, television and otherwise, Walton Goggins, will be playing Sonny Birch. Uh, like Ghost, Birch started mostly as a corporate Iron Man villain associated with Cross Technologies' bad guys from the first Ant-Man film. Uh, Randall Park was confirmed as Jimmy Woo, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and agent of Atlas. And finally, Lawrence Fishburne is playing Dr. Bill Foster, who in the comics was a lab assistant to Hank Pym. He was also exposed to Pym particles and became Black Goliath, also sometimes went by Giant Man. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp will go into theaters July 6th, 2018. Wow. So that's a hell of a cast pretty close, lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Less than a year away, that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. So that's. Whew, I'm, I'm ready for another Ant-Man like film. A, I was hoping she'd be like a substitute teacher or something in Ant-Man. Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. You were hoping. <laughs> it, it's. Uh, what's that movie? Um, fucking. Oh, whatever. Are, are you doing Dangerous Minds right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Wow. You know what, Andy? I miss you. Oh, just, uh, yeah, but you're not missing him. <laughs> yeah, you're right on target, actually. Yeah, yeah. Coolio would be proud. You know, let's do one more. One more pop. One more you pop. Just can't help Jeff, yourself. Put down your phone. Do your pop. I thought it was Kirsten's turn. I did the last. <laughs> I did the last one. I did it. Then you did Three. it. Three. Back Weak to Kirsten. Geek. I love it. See, it ends on a good note. Every San Diego Comic Con on Friday night. The Eisner Awards are presented. The biggest winners of the night were acclaimed sci-fi book Saga, which came away with four Eisners, in addition to the numerous awards they've won in previous years. Uh, Vision and Batman writer Tim King earning awards for both of those books. Vision we've discussed a few times on this show. And Singaporean cartoonist uh, Sunny Liu, who garnered three awards for The Art of Charlie Chan Hak Chai. Uh, Wonder Woman had a big year with her original art, H.G. Patet, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. That's artist, not art. And best graphic album going to Wonder Woman, True Amazon, 
by Jill Thompson, who also won the award for Best Painter in her work on the book, as well as One Shot for Beasts of Burden. Jeff Lemire was clearly moved to receive the Best New Series Award for Black Hammer due to his co-creator, Dean Ormston, having suffered a stroke shortly after completing the first issue. Why's it got to be a Black Hammer, man? And both the Hernandez brothers were inducted into the Hall of Fame one after the other. So that's a sum up of the Eisners. You know what? Nice. I want one more pop. Wow. Kirsten, you can't have pop. it. Give me a pop. Oh. Give me a pop. Five. Red cinco. light, green light. It never stops. This is interesting. I'm curious where this one goes for you guys, too. Doug Lyman okay. is producing and directing a new jumper adaptation for the YouTube Red subscription uh, red service. Light. Red light on YouTube Red. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so proud. God. <laughs> Way to go, Andy. Wow. <laughs> Slated for 2018, the new TV series will be based upon Stephen Gould's Impulse, the third book in his teleportation sci-fi series, the first of which Jumper, Lyman, who directed Edge of Tomorrow, Swingers, Born Identity, and 20th Century Fox mined for $222 million at the global box office. Lyman, who just uh, prematurely exited Warner Brothers' Dark Universe movie, will executive produce and direct the pilot of the show. Uh, Jeffrey Lieber uh, from Lost, Jason Horowitz from Marvel's Luke Cage, and Gary Spinelli from American's, American Made, which is Lyman's upcoming film, are set to handle the writing. Here's a synopsis of the source material via Impulse's publisher, Tor Books. Sent... That's as in the dollars and cents. Scent has a secret. That's a name. Uh, she lives in isolation with her parents, hiding from the people who took her father captive and tortured him to gain control over his ability to teleport, and from the government agencies who want to use his talent. Scent has seen the world, but only from the safety of her parents' arms. She's teleported more than anyone on Earth, except for her mother and father, but she's never been able to do it for herself. Her life has never been in danger, until the day she went snowboarding without permission and triggered an avalanche. When the snow and ice thundered down on her, she suddenly forced herself to her own bedroom. That was the first time. Jumper, Lyman, Red, YouTube. I really liked the movie. I know it didn't do as well as they were hoping but in the box office, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Wait, Burn, uh, Born Identity, and, and and what was the first thing he directed? Uh, something that you like, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a green shit. light. Yeah, I'll green light yeah, that. Green light Just on too. that. He Same. Could, he could do a young adult. Well, actually, isn't aren't, <laughs> aren't those books young adult? Really? I think they are. Yeah, yeah they so, are. Yeah. Kind of yeah. are, but green right. light it as well. Uh, did you guys see Jumper as well? I have. Yes. Okay. I have not. Okay. I have not. Agency is paladins, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Religious group after them, yeah. Oh. Yeah, they because they believe that only gods should have the power that the the jumpers have. Samuel so they, Jackson was one. So he they was. yeah, they systematically hunt them down and kill them because they feel like, you know, it's they're, an, it's an abomination. Sure, they're impeding on God's territory. Yeah. And they have tools to stop them from jumping and all that. Oh yeah. wow. Or teleporting. Yeah. Maybe I should see jumper. I, like I good. said, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, once you get the past the fact that uh, it's... I uh, oh, I just totally blanked out on his name. Uh, young, Anakin Skywalker? Anakin, yeah. And he, I, I didn't think he was bad in this movie at all. So, I mean, 
I think he's a, a decent enough actor. I think it's just the he's material. He's just poorly directed. Well, poorly directed, <laughs> and it was it was the the material. Because I mean, even oh, my brain just suddenly shut down here. I know. Uh, um, Boy, that sugar crash. Yeah, sand yeah. is rough. Sugar crash. Are you talking about the prequels? Yeah. Uh, 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 sand is coarse. It Padme. Gets uh, Natalie Portman. <laughs> Portman. Thank you. Natalie Portman isn't that great in these movies, and she's a very talented actress. That's a fine so point. It's I. I think Samuel it's the Jackson material is and, good, and he's yeah. not good in these movies. It's I think it's the I think the prequels. It was the material and the director. I just that's that's my take on it. I but, think uh, Ewan McGregor and Ian McDermott actually managed to uh, <clears throat> pull silk, off silk purse it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were able to rise above the. Yeah, they were. They're the reasons. The watch, <laughs> they're the reasons to watch the 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 three movies. Sure, really sure. Um and yeah you know p- yeah poor uh, Hayden Christensen because he is a good he he's not a bad actor at all so um, yeah I think he unfairly took a lot of the the yeah. major criticism for those films well you know what being, it's funny when you think about it whoever's playing Anakin's gonna yeah. take the shit because poor little Jake Lloyd had his oh life. yeah he had rough yeah. time after yeah. well and so. you know it's funny because I actually had a conversation at work with a, a kid who just turned twenty one and. Uh, he was talking about uh, he grew up with the with the new trilogy, episodes one, two, and three. Absolutely loved them, and it wasn't until actually quite a bit after that third film was out that he discovered the original trilogy, and then of course uh, episode seven and Rogue One, and he really enjoyed those. And he said, you know. As a kid, he said he still really thinks back with fond memories on him. As an adult, going back and watching him, he said it's he can kind of understand the criticisms that you know our generation has for those films. But but the kids love. Them. Yeah, I was gonna say it's 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 absolutely true that kids love him, and it it you know it took me a while to think those films weren't written for for us. They yeah. were written for the next generation, even though Lucas repeatedly says no 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 these are the you know this is the way things were supposed to start and this is how the trilogy is supposed to begin and i don't believe you know i i don't (laughs) believe it because i think he's he's drunk enough of his own kool-aid because it's it's foolish to believe that you're going to be the same person 40 years later that you were when you wrote the original material in fact i i use that as an example i had started this story in high school that i continued a little bit through college i'd write a little bit here and there I discovered it like a couple of years ago in an old school bag that I didn't even know I still had. And I thought, oh, I should finish this story. And I sat down and looked at it, and I'm like... This is garbage! (laughs) It wasn't that it was garbage. It's like, (laughs) I don't know where to go with this because, yeah, I kind of written an an outline for it, but I'm not the same person I was 25 years ago when I started this thing. There is no way I can physically finish the story that I started back then. I, so I, I would literally have to scrap it and start over with maybe the same overall story arc and then flesh it out from there. But I can't finish it the way that it is now. I know what you're feeling. I wrote this story in third grade uh-huh. where me and Tron fell into the computer world against an <laughs> evil computer. And I got an A on it, but I read it now. It's crap. <laughs> it's actually crap. What shitty story did you write? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. You know, you're saying that, and I wonder if uh, George R. R. Martin is sitting there like that, too. Like, fuck, I wrote these like 15 years ago. I, 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 what the fuck? I can't even fucking. You know what? It's coming out in 2018. Coming out in 2019. Oh, I died. Oh, shit. Never, ever completed. 
What's what's funny is I swore you said Jar Jar R. Martin. Oh. Jar Jar Martin. <laughs> oh, oh my Misa, God. Misa, White Walkers. Oh no, Yanni. <laughs> Misa, sit down and finish novel. Oh no, Misa Hart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Johnny. <laughs> Misa, love Red Wedding. <laughs> Until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And we will do part two of the pop medic of Doom next week because there's still a lot of stories. And I'm sure there's going to be more news next week. So, oh, this continues, guys. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Andy, feel better. I, yeah. I, I hope you enjoyed listening to your pop matic play for a little while. Yep. Oh, that was a one. That one? was a one. Oh, you don't get it. That was for Andy. You news you don't give a shit about. Yeah. It has a delightfully <laughs> tinny pop to it that the original ones didn't have. They they know what people want. Yeah. Hey, they don't want the, this little poof poof of a popomatic. Yeah. yeah. They want just like that. It's got a pop. Yeah. Misa loves the pops. <laughs> Yay! Oh, Danny! Danny with the dragons! <laughs> <laughs>